0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: I'm going to do something a little bit different uh, today. For those of you who are fans of the Joe Rogan podcast, this is going to sound similar. I'm going to basically do it like Joe does it. I'm going to get these ad reads out of the way, and then we're going to get into the show. This episode is brought to you by my bookie. You know, ever since I started uh, up with the Armchair Media Network, you guys have been asking me for advice, and usually it's about on who to bet on. The truth is, I have no idea who's going to win, especially now the football season is over. It's all basketball, hockey, and college basketball and whatnot. But uh, if you think you know, you got to go check out my bookie. Who you're betting on is just as important in who, as who you are betting with and that's why i always tell people to bet with my bookie. They've been in business for years, have great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. So that's why i'm urging you to go to my bookie. You win and they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business and for you fantasy guys out there, you can bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and My Bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code BEARS twenty five to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's my bookie, MyBookie, M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code bears twenty five when creating your account to claim up to a thousand dollars in free play. My Bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And the Bear Stock Underground is also brought to you by Tix Blitz. I'm work I've been working on that actually. It's just to try and say it to make it sound like i'm not actually trying to trying to say it you know what i'm saying tick splits i'd like to take a second to tell you about our friends at tick splits the official ticket provider of the media uh, armchair media network uh i'm a little out of practice can you tell unlike other ticketing providers they sneak that sneak in extra fees and unexplained service charges at tick splits the price you see is the price you pay Unnecessary fees should not prevent you from seeing the sporting event, concert, or Broadway show of your choosing. They were very helpful in getting KISS tickets. So I'm going to see KISS on March 2nd and again March 10th. Thank you very much, TickSplits. Go to TixBlitz.com and enter the promo code ARMCHAIR at checkout to receive 5% off your total ticket purchase. That's TixBlitz, T I X B L I T Z.com, and enter the promo code ARMCHAIR. TickSplits guaranteed seats, guaranteed emotions. I'm so excited to be back, you guys. I am uh, jacked beyond jacked because the very first episode of the 2019 season, if you will, uh, the first one of the off season, and hopefully there will be several more. But uh, I, I came back be- now because I have a special guest uh, I was able to get in contact with and uh, get as a guest on the show, uh, former Chicago Bear tight end, 1985 Chicago Bear and therefore Super Bowl XX champion Emery Moorhead uh, on the show. I, I had a fantastic uh, time uh, talking to him. Uh, it was just uh, one of those things, you know. I was able to get in contact with him, and then uh, as uh, Michael Jordan has said before, uh, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. So I decided to take a shot, and and here it is. So uh, just going to start things right off uh, with the interview, and then after the interview. I've got some uh, news and notes for you for what's going on with our beloved and the the universe uh, surrounding them. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I present to you, Emery Moorhead from the 85 Chicago Bears. So here we are first episode of 2019 and what a way to kick off the the drudgery that is the long nfl uh, offseason then by having my very first player interview and he is an ex-player one of the 85 bears emory moorhead emory thanks so much uh, for coming on the show
2: it's a pleasure to be uh our first
1: Yes, you are my first. Absolutely. It's uh, yeah. it's fantastic. And I thought it was appropriate for me to to have you on the show because or or for for me to have you, I should say, because you and I do have somewhat of a connection as far as our roots are concerned. You and I both from Evanston, Illinois, went to ETHS uh, Evanston Township High School uh, together. So I thought, why not have you be the very first uh, guest on the uh first player guest on the show
2: well it's a pleasure and Evanston, as you know is a community to grow up in and learn about people and be involved with different types of people all kinds of people and learn a craft that you want to pursue because everson is very good at getting you if you like something and you want to pursue it they can get you there and they're, they're just, just a great place to grow
1: up absolutely i enjoyed my time there uh tremendously um, when, when were you at Evanston?
2: I was there from 19—it's uh, a long time ago now, Larry, but <laughs> 1968 to 1972. In 1968, before I got there when I was an eighth grader, in that spring, that's when Evanston won the state basketball championship. Right. And Martin Lazier, who was, was the coach at Evanston, during those 60s and 70s. Uh, he was just an unbelievable football coach. Yeah, uh, at Evanston, he coached for I think 16 years, or 18 years. He had 15 losses in 18 years. Yeah, we so coached more games in football than he lost. So he was a tremendous coach. Uh, Jack Burmaster was the basketball coach at One State in '68, and it was just a, it was a time at Evanston where everything, everybody. All the teams were competing for state championships. And and if you didn't win a state championship at that time, you know, you couldn't even, you know, you you don't got bragging rights. That's just the way it is. And ironically, I was back in the school about two or three months ago for a benefit fundraiser. Mm. And I looked at the coaches' lounge right next to the Gym where the basketball was. And there was a small room, probably 12 by 12, I thought to myself, all these personalities—you know, uh, Elias Jones, unbelievable
1: wrestling wrestling coach, coach, yeah. Uh,
2: Jack Burmaster, the state championship basketball coach, Mernie Lazier won like four or five state championships in football. Uh, McGowan uh, was was a unbelievable. He's in the Illinois State Hall of Fame for baseball and and, uh, and and soccer. And the swimming, all these guys won state championships. Now with i like, how did all those personalities get into that coach's lounge every day? Yeah, because it was just a great competitive place to be, and those coaches set the standard for all Abington athletics.
1: Yeah, my uh, my, my coach uh, John Real also accomplished a great deal, and the state championship was the the one thing that we couldn't uh, give him. We were actually the my junior year in '94 was the closest that Evanston has been to a state title game since the last state championship run. Yeah, we made it to the made it to the semis against Homewood-Flossmoor and came up short. Yeah,
2: and I don't think they've been even close since then.
1: No, I think a couple of years after we had a team in I think 97, I think a couple of year a year after I graduated in 97, they had a team that was 9 and 0. They were ranked nationally, you know, USA today. The whole nine yards, but they fell one round short of what we did. They made it to the to the yeah. quarters. We made it to the semis. So, we're yeah, the we, we yeah. Those two teams tied for the most victories in a season, but we made it further. We were eleven and two. They were eleven and one. So, wow. that's okay. uh, kind of our okay. little claim to fame. Um, right. There. So, where did you go to middle school? Just so we can kind of narrow this down. Uh,
2: well, I went I went to the original Skiles, which is now King Lab.
1: Okay. All right.
2: Uh, that was a junior high at the time. Skiles was a junior high, and it was uh, two and a half blocks from my house. Yeah, okay. that's where I grew up, from the West Side.
1: Did you go to Dewey?
2: I went to Dewey as well. Oh! this is this is crazy because I went to Dewey for kindergarten, to fourth grade, and then in nineteen sixty, passed the uh, open housing and the equal education, and I started busing kids, and I was the first kids our class in Fifth grade was the first uh, class to get bused over to Skokie, oh. and I went to Timber Ridge fifth and sixth grade. But K through fourth, I went to Dewey School. And then when they passed the uh, nineteen sixty four, they passed the uh, equal opportunity, and everybody we had integration laws and we had to integrate schools in, in oh. Skokie. And I was on the west side. And in all in all, true facts, uh, I was going probably eight or nine blocks to Dewey, but Timber Ridge was like four blocks from me. So hmm. it, uh, it, it worked out, and I'll never forget it. We were the first kids in yeah, not just the state, but the entire United States to be uh, forced integration. And wow. Edison was the first of that, yeah. Okay, because I black history month for you here. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, February, there you go, yeah.
1: Because I went to Dewey as well. I was uh, third through fifth grade. That's where I went to... That's where I went to grade school, and then I actually went to Chute uh, for middle school, and then back to uh, right. sure. E-town for uh, for high school. So, okay. um, right. so what what position did you play in 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 high school? Because I saw like your first year, or like you were drafted out of Colorado, where you went to college as a receiver. So, were you a receiver at Colorado, or?
2: Well, I was at uh, uh, Colorado. Well, out of high school, I was a, uh, I was a tight end, and then my senior year. We had a junior by the name of Howard Jones. And Howard Jones had made Allstate as a sophomore. And he also won the state championship in the 100 to 220 and anchored the 800-yard relay three years in a row. Wow. And he, he was the halfback. And then he broke his arm in a Labor Day scrimmage a week before our opening game. And they moved me into halfback. And I played my senior year at Evanston as a halfback Oh. And uh and, and went to Colorado in nineteen seventy two uh as a running back wide receiver. Uh at that time the country behind Oklahoma and Nebraska, the Big Eight had a one, two, three three sweep in the national polls before the, they had national championships. Right. And I went up to Colorado representing Evanstead and uh, then eventually got moved to a ring back, which today would be the hybrid tight end that they use the NFL and all over. Uh, but that's why I got drafted. That's why I got drafted into the NFL as like a running back slash receiver because they didn't really know what to do with me. And then yeah. eventually, after screwing around uh, two years in New York Giants as a wide receiver, and then my third year, I got moved to fullback. Okay. And then got traded to Denver as a wide receiver. And uh, then in 1981, I got cut by the Broncos picked up by the Bears, and I uh, made it through training camp and then got released at the last cut. And uh, seven games into the season, they needed a wide receiver. And I came back to the Bears, returning kickoffs, throwing the wide receiver, playing special teams, basically anything they wanted to pay for my family. And uh, ended up firing a coach in 1981, Coach Dick. I asked him, could I play tie end, and I ended up playing another seven years uh, after that as the Chicago Bears, including uh, Super Bowl Twenty. So it was a very good run for me, uh, more than I ever expected. I got a lot more than I, you know, probably put in, and uh, the rest of FAC-
1: so the, your time. Uh, I mean, was that like a big thrill for you? Because this is a time in the NFL where there really wasn't any free agency. If you if you were drafted by a team, you were pretty much stuck there for your entire career unless you got traded, uh, you know that kind of thing. And you had an opportunity to go and play for the Bears. I mean, was, was were you like a waiver wire pickup, or were you, were you actually a free agent when you when you ended up with a, them? I was a
2: waiver wire pickup, and my quarterback at Colorado was a running back backing up Walter Payton, Dave wait Wow, this most famously known for returning the kickoff back. Thanksgiving Day in overtime, being the shortest overtime game in NFL history. Right. And he said, you ought to pick up Emmy Moorhead. And, uh, and general manager at the time, Jen Sinks, went ahead and did it. And, uh, and I ended up playing, you know, eight years for the Bears after three in New York, a year in Denver. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just it's just funny how things happen. You just have to be in the right place at the right time. And I was a waiver wire pickup for one coach, and I moved to tight end, and uh, Robin Earl and Bob Fisher and Mike Cobb were the tight ends at the time, and I think they caught 10 passes the whole year between the three of them. And coming in from wide receiver, I figured, you know what, I might not be able to block as much. And I got there, and all of a sudden, uh, Dick's offense, so he bought from the Dallas Cowboys, uh, really suited me well. And stuff uh, I learned from Coach Lazier at Everson about the fundamentals of blocking—all that stuff was way more important than catch passes—and uh, ended up giving me a solid position for seven more years.
1: Yeah, because this was a time in the league where where basically running was 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 paramount, and uh, you know, so it was about blocking and tackling uh, back right. then. So being a Rob Gronkowski back then, being a, a more of a pass catcher then a blocker was not really a thing uh, in the NFL in those yeah, days.
2: Yeah. And then you play for Coach Dicker, and you have a halfback, and Walter Payton. Yeah. And the reason that he knew what the deal was when it came to Chicago. We had a best running back in the league, mm-hmm. and he knew that. And so first in Paramount was always blocking, blocking. And, uh, the, again, the fundamentals I learned at Evanston High School, the footwork, the techniques, Dick every time those things it made it easy, and then you got a halfback like Walter Payton where you, you know, you're not gonna tackle him by reaching your arm out, nope. and trying to tackle him. So just I just stayed busy on those linebackers and kept in their face, and Walter would run through the arm tackles, and I succeeded for quite a
1: while. Yeah, I've uh, I somebody started passing around it was a, a video talking about his MVP season back in seventy seven, and just I mean he was only. The, the, a third-year guy yeah. in 77, and, yeah. you know, ba- watching him, the way he ran the football then, watching the way some of these guys run the football now, Sweetness looked like a savage compared to what those guys, I mean, well, they're they're obviously bigger, stronger, faster, but they weren't running as hard or as determined as Sweetness was in those those highlights. I mean, the things you look at in, in film, you watch him do what he did, it was amazing yeah. to watch him do his thing. Well,
2: well, those first five or six years, I mean, Bears offense was Walter left, Walter right, passed the ball a third down to Walter. I mean, he was a work horse. Yeah. And the 77 season, I think he had over 1,850 yards. And just so happened, the very last game of the year, I came to New York to play the Giants. Right. And the one thing Giants held their hat on was defense. And they were not going to let Walter get to 2,000. And they held him up, they held him back for the final game. But uh that was the first of the Bears two playoff runs under Neil Anderson or Neil Armstrong, I'm sorry, right. seventy seven and seventy nine. And that seventy seven season was probably the best you know, all around season that he had. But I know that, you know, as we got Walter as we got Bill McMahon, we got better offensive line, uh we drafted Willie Gaunt, uh, Dennis McKinnon came in as a free agent. The workload wasn't all on him anymore. And then, of course, in 85, he, when Dickett took the job in 82, he kept Buddy Ryan as the defensive coordinator. And our defense got better and better and better every year. And uh, it just built up to that 85 season where defense was unstoppable. And we had a lot of players making a lot of plays. It wasn't, you know, all Walter anymore. Willie Gaunt stretched it. Defense. McKen was a terror and a tough blocker and a guy that could go inside and I would stretch the defense up the seam. So uh, it wasn't the same for Walter, but for the Bears overall, it was a uh, it was an incredible transition to uh, being one of the better teams and probably the best team in the league in '85.
1: Now, you you mentioned uh, Buddy Ryan, and you can't talk about 85 without talking about the defense. But one thing that I wanted to know, especially from somebody who was there every day, was was there a rivalry between offense and defense like there appeared to be between Ditka and Buddy?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Buddy was his own guy. And uh, he would tell Ditka, you know, I'll take care of the defense, you take care of the offense. And then during the game, Buddy would come over to the guys on offense, you know, McMahon and myself and Walter, and he go, Look, give me 10 points and I'll turn the dogs loose and the game's over. And that's exactly what he did. Once we got ahead, uh, the defense, they just started blitzing on every play, and it was just, you know, sack the quarterback, get rid of the quarterback, see what the second string quarterback looks like. And then we had a rookie in Kevin Butler. Yeah, who, uh, set a, set our Bears record that year for most points in the season. He was just right on. He was dead middle all the time, and he was one of the guys. A great a great personality off the field. He fit right in with our team, and it was just everything came together in one year, and that was eighty five.
1: Yeah, eighty five was uh, was a special year. I was only I was only seven years old, but I remember a lot of it quite vividly. And one of the things that I do remember was just how alive the city was that year like from start to finish it's like everybody knew that this was going to happen and it wasn't yeah. going to be taken from us in the nfc championship game like it was the year before in, no, in san francisco before, yeah. Yeah. yeah and um you know eighty five
2: we lost 23 to nothing right in san francisco and the fans was yelling at us bring your offense next time bring your offense right and boy they ran that that the big uh, lineman in the backfield. I was the precursor of Fridge running the ball in <laughs> 85. And, uh, boy, we never forgot it. And that year, I mean, every game was – we played it as the most important game of the year. And, uh, boy, it was a great year. I mean, when the playoffs started, it was just lights out. I mean, we were going for the jugular on everything. And uh, there was no way we were going to lose after 84 season.
1: yeah Yeah, it was uh you you go back and you watch some of those and you know youtube you can find you know games if you know where to look and uh watching the i was remember i sat down and watched like the bears against the jets in 85 when you travel up to the the meadowlands and the jets had one of the best offenses in football and they damn near beat ken o'brien to death in that game and you know, watching Otis Wilson fly around, here comes Wilbur Marshall, and if it isn't him, it's the Fridge or McMichael or Richard Dent and yeah. everything. Right. I mean, they were absolutely everywhere. And Ken O'Brien, who was they like were, one of the top yeah. passers in the year, could not breathe that game.
2: No, it was, a, it was the defense was a menace to everybody. And mm-hmm. they would just say, you know, we're going to knock the quarterback out and see how good the second straight guy is. That was their <laughs> plan every <laughs> week. And it worked probably seven out of 16 games. Well, they got to the second uh string quarterback and i'll never forget i had a roommate in college Otis mckinney he played for the raiders and we played the raiders in 84 and they knocked out i think it was david hum and then the backup quarterback and ray Guy, the hunter had to finish the half and he said there he said they were fighting in the locker room which quarterback had to go finish the game because neither one wanted to go back in and face the Bears defense. I mean it was it was, you know, it set an NFL records for all time sacks. Yeah. And if you could think about all time sacks, just think about how many times they hit the quarterback.
3: Right. You know, they didn't
2: get the sack and they punished the quarterback. And that was the whole thing. Our defense was rough. And as an offense, you know, we led the league in time of possession. We led the league in running the football. And uh and then we also would get the ball with the defense, would create turnovers on the other side of the fifty. So it was uh it was a great year for everybody involved if you were a bear fan.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. And, and eighty five was the first year. That was the year. Yeah, that was the first year that I as a as a you know, a seven year old kid, that was the first year that I was following a team then you know so it's like yeah You're, and, you probably
2: had your gym and had sunglasses and yep. super bowl shuffle jersey my yeah. i Everybody
1: had it all man you. and <laughs> i had a um i had a uh, bedtime so i had to go to bed on the monday night game against miami so in 85 i never saw the bears lose a game not once in all the games that i watched because i didn't get yeah. to see the miami game on yeah. monday night so yeah. the bears well, were undefeated as far was... as i was concerned
2: yeah, well, that '85, that, that Monday night game, it was just one of those games where Don Shula had a game plan to handle our defense. Mm-hmm. And without going into detail, what he did was pretty good. But as NFL coaches do, the next week we copied the exact same plan on offense to get away from the pass rush that Don Shula did. And I give them credit. They beat us that day. We fought our butts off. But uh, they had a plan for us, and they was able to get around the rush. And it changed everything. But uh, you know, like I said, uh, as as most coaches do when they see something that works, they usually put it in their game plan. We put it in next week, and uh, did the rest of the year with it. So we were hoping to get them at the Super Bowl, but they lost to New England. England.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, they lost to New England. We're hoping to get them back. Yeah,
1: that'd have been cool to be able to write that uh, write that one wrong on the the blemish on the record. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So. And that was that was Dan Marino and uh, Duper you know, the and receivers Matt Moore and Duper and yeah. yeah they were loaded too now. they had some stuff too
1: yeah and they were also the defending AFC champions they were in the Super Bowl the year before
2: okay yeah, yeah yeah they were good
1: so the what was the Super Bowl like back then because obviously it's 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 gotten grander in scale the, you know the the stakes are still the same you get a championship and the trophy and bragging rights if you will but you know with the uh, the way that the world is now and and the, the social media and the 24-hour news cycle it's a it's much bigger than it was uh back then but you know the you in 85 with that team was still a pretty big deal for yeah. for those bears to make it to the championship
2: uh it, it was uh you know uh to be really honest with you that year we made a lot of football fans for the nfl
3: yeah. i met more women that
2: said i never followed football until the 85 bears and now i'm a more of a maniac over the bears than my husband is and <laughs> it was a thing where we just caught the eye nationally we were all about you know getting out there the fridge was on t- everybody had tv commercials yeah everybody had radio shows i remember everybody that Had golf tournaments we really pumped up the uh publicity of the 85 Bears in the NFL, and everybody was all about that. And uh, then after that, they started instructing rules. Uh, you cannot wear uh, you know, anybody's uh, advertising and interviews after the thing. Everybody has to have the same shoes. You can't have individual shoe contracts. Everything changed because the 85 Bears maxed everything there <laughs> you know we maxed everything out and then the NFL said you know we can't do it and then eventually uh they got to where teams was the league signed with Nike in the 90s and then there was Reebok and, and so everything changed the jerseys they were alternating jerseys Reebok would have a five-year career and then uh then uh Nike would have a five-year uh contract and then the shoes were all the same and you couldn't do individually what we did as individually, and the league saw what we were doing, and they capitalized on it, captured it, and sent it out league-wide, uh, so it was totally different, and we had a lot more fun, uh, but of course, after 92, uh, free agency became a thing, and, uh, and everything was controlled after that. Everybody started making more money, and the league was making more money, and there were there were, uh, you know, all of a sudden there was league caps and they had to spend this amount of money. The league's totally different today than it was in
1: 1985. Sure, sure. Now you, uh, unfortunately, the 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 Challenger shuttle, which we just had an anniversary for, the the tragedy of that canceled your trip uh, to the White House, where you were going to meet President, uh, I believe Reagan, at the time. Reagan. Yeah, and did you uh, join the team at the White House when President Obama invited you guys out there?
2: Yeah, everybody came. you kidding? Everybody came except for Hunt. Yeah, uh, right. And uh, and it was the best time because when we got on the plane, we even had the same stewardesses that we had in 1985. Wow. So it was it was yeah it was crazy. to get on the plane and uh, everybody's acting. As if it was the same as nineteen eighty five. Everybody regressed to like how we were back then.
1: To your the young foolish went... selves, right? Exactly,
2: exactly. And uh, we get on the plane, we jet out to uh DC, we have lunch in a hotel, we go meet Obama at the White House, they have another uh uh food and things for us. And uh, boy, we're right back on the plane at like three o'clock in the afternoon. We get back at 4.30 in Chicago. And it was like, wow, that was just one unbelievable great day. And I was so glad we were able to do it and able to do it when President Obama, because he was a Chicago guy, and his first year in Chicago was 1985. So oh, he was wow. more than happy to
1: host us. Yeah. Okay. Too bad he was a Cubs fan, though. That's that was the only thing I didn't talk huh? like about. Huh? Former president. I'm Obama. An guy,
2: North Sider. Come on, man. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Way, man. Yeah.
2: Away, yeah. went My whole life. Come on. We finally won.
1: <laughs> yeah. So real quick, uh, you know, we we talked about the 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 rivalry that was you know kind of carried between the two coaches between Ditka and, and Ryan uh, in '85. Did anything what changed if anything in 86 when Buddy left to go coach the Eagles?
2: Well, we were number 1 in total defense. We were number 1 in uh, sacks. Still was the same, but the difference was the pressure. I mean, Dick mm. uh, Buddy had a, Buddy would put the pressure on quarterbacks. The next year we were still in sacks, we were still in total defense and everything still number 1 against the run, but the pressure uh, the consistent pressure uh, because of Buddy's uh, risk taking, knowing his defense, uh, that was gone. We played a version of the '46, but much more conservative uh, most of the time. And uh, it was just a different. It was just you know when you look at the stats, it's still the same, but it just wasn't the same fear that we put in offenses that they did before.
1: Yeah, because statistically they were even better in '86 than they were. In '85, right. the the, per, the points per game were lower. They had more sacks and and things like that. But we ran into the Redskins in the you know divisional round that one game, and Daryl Green and his disconnected, disconnected or dislocated rib muscle or whatever on that punt return was yeah. uh, was that the death was knell to the, Be- to the Bears repeating in '86.
2: Yeah, that was a tough deal, and uh, but it just wasn't the same fear. I can just say the defense wasn't feared like it was with Buddy Ryan. It was very much feared before. And uh, Vince Norman did a great job and he integrated from four to six and integrated his own defense, but that fear factor wasn't was, was not there. And of course anytime you win a Super Bowl, every team in the league is dissecting what you do to try to figure out how to stop you the next year or So there was you know, there was some changes and, League got better and figured this out, but we still went twelve and two, 12 and four, uh, the next three years. So uh, it was still a good team. We just couldn't we just couldn't close it out to win a Super
1: Bowl. Yeah, eighty six, um, eighty six was a crazy year. You guys went fourteen and two. I mean you if fifteen and one is hard yeah. to duplicate and you almost pulled it off and then and, and came up short in the playoffs and then Um, next year in in 87 was a strike season, and you actually went through two work stoppages in your career.
2: I did. I did. This is why I appreciate the union to this day, Uh, because they fought for the middle guy. Yeah. You know, they fought for the guy. You know, the superstars are making the money, but the guy in the middle, they increased all that. And I went through a strike in 82, and they were asking for 55% of the gross. Well, guess what? There are over 60% of the gross going to players today. Mm-hmm. And then in 87, we wanted free agency. They got it in 92, and when they got the free agency, the salaries, they had to split part of the part of the uh, revenue. And they were forced to open their books, and they were forced to give uh, a certain percentage uh, salary cap to the players. And, and, and with free agency, it went through the roof. Right, uh, So it's a little bit too late to capitalize on it, but I struck twice to get the benefits that players are getting today and they're reaping the benefits that the older guys have uh, you know, put their jobs on the line, had a work campus, didn't get paid for weeks uh, to provide some of these kids. And we said it at the time, we're not going to benefit. It's going to be our kids and our grandkids that are benefiting, and those are the people that are benefiting today.
1: Right, and the the one in '87 where they brought in the scab players, what was what was that like for you guys?
2: Well, I was messed up. I mean, you know, I mean, why? uh You know, sure, I, I had friends that, that did cross the line, and uh, because they needed the money. But uh you know, we were trying to do the best so what everybody, everybody for the future, could benefit. But uh, a lot of guys crossed the line. Some of the big high rollers. You know, quarterbacks and people that were making a lot of money cross the line across the league. But the Chicago Bears didn't have one player. We're one of two teams in the entire league that didn't have one player cross the picket line. I mean, we stayed together solidly, and uh, you know, that's 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 what team is all about—not having people looking out for themselves, looking out for others. And I'm proudly saying that we're one of two teams uh, that didn't have people cross the line.
1: Was the other one the Redskins?
2: I was thinking it was the Redskins, but I don't want to go there because I'm forty years ago or thirty years ago. I can't remember. Yeah. but I was thinking in my back of my mind it was the Redskins, but I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, it's, it was either because they won the Super Bowl both years that the that the NFL went on strike. They won it in '82. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they uh, they won it in '82 with Joe Theismann, and then again in '87 with Doug Williams. So it was uh, it was kind of weird how that how that worked out, yeah. but. Uh, that was unbelievable.
2: Doug Williams came out of nowhere, <laughs> took Dre Schroeder's job. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and threw four touchdowns in the second quarter of that game against the Broncos, I think right. it was. And uh they won a Super Bowl. That was that was an incredible, incredible game.
1: So in eighty seven, of course, that was Sweetness's last season that loss to the uh to the Redskins. What was the yeah. the locker room he like? And, and Gary
2: Fitzig. Gary Fitzig. That's right. uh, both of those guys, two long time, time bear players. It was their last year, and uh, and we lost that game. You know, we wanted to win another Super Bowl, but it's hard. I'm telling you right now, it's hard. If they went back to back and what your team gets the pace of victory and championships, you know, you can't tell anybody that it wasn't there. They were the reason that we didn't win the Super Bowl in '85, and Eagles come into play and. It was just, it was, it's a lot tougher. That's why I give the Chicago Bulls winning three in a row. Jordan goes out, comes back, and they win three in a row. That's, that's just tough to stay focused and to do. And uh, I can very much appreciate the effort that they gave during those years uh, because it's not easy to do.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, and then when you move forward to 88, that was your last year in the league. One last playoff run. We come up short to the 49ers in the, championship game, but the week before that you got to play in the famous uh, fog bowl against the Eagles.
2: Well I I had broke my leg the last
1: oh, uh is that right
2: I broke my leg against the LA Rams like first week in December. So I was done and I was up in the press box and you couldn't see a thing.
1: I was gonna say so you ball. didn't get to you watch could, the game, you, yeah. No.
2: In fact eventually the T V just used they took handheld cameras down to the field level because that was the only way you're going to get any kind of vision, and you couldn't at those even at that level, you couldn't tell when a quarterback would pass the ball. Uh, by the time it came down in the receiver's hands, you never saw it. Right. I mean, uh, they had an unbelievable team with Randall Cunningham and uh, uh, Keith Byers, yeah. Keith Jackson, the tight end, uh, Mike Quick. They had unbelievable offense to go with a very good Buddy Ryan defense. But they couldn't see the ball in the air. And they were dropping passes, hitting them in the chest because you couldn't see it. You couldn't see the ball up in the air. Once it got above about six, seven feet in the air, it was gone. And uh, that was an unbelievable game. And uh, the Bears did win that, but then we lost to the 49ers. It was that old infamous bear weather game. Yes. So it was one of those cold games. We thought Ugh. the 49ers would come in here and lay down. Uh you know, they didn't. They played, they won and uh, you know, that that's another great coach uh and yeah, actually Walsh. that might have been uh Seyfried instead of uh No it
1: was Walsh. That was uh okay. It was Walsh, Walsh. Okay, yeah. That, was, that Walsh was his last year. That was Walsh's last year.
2: I mean Walsh was unbelievable. Coach, and Dick and him were very competitive, and he used to always call them the so-called genius. And uh, But uh, he was a great offensive football coach.
1: Yeah. The, the,
2: the was the defensive
1: coordinator. He was, actually. yeah. And yeah. they actually, yeah. the Bears and the Niners uh, played earlier in the year on Monday Night Football for an extremely low scoring, but one of the most exciting games I remember ever watching. Just it was one defensive struggle after another. I think the Bears won 10-9 to 9 or something. Uh, like that, and I just remember watching that game as a kid.
2: Yeah, it's ironic that the 49ers were known as an offensive football team, but their defense was always fourth or fifth in the league, Mm -hmm. but never, you know, the offense was what, uh, to the people, is what the 49ers were all about, and the Bears were just the opposite. They were always number one in defense, and our offense was fifth or sixth every year. And, uh, but it was known for the defense, so it was a great matchup.
1: So, 88, that was, that was it for you, correct? That was it. My last year,
2: I retired. I sold the real estate. started selling real estate in 1986 after the Bears won the Super Bowl uh, in, in Northbrook and Deerfield. Uh, with, at that time, was Canning Stray, which is today is Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, and I sold the real estate for 27 years for the same company. And uh, retired uh, five years ago, uh, nice. 2013, over five years ago, and I've been retired and spent time between Chicago and
1: Colorado. Colorado, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. did the NFL have things like they have now, programs to either prepare you for life after football, or like because I know they yeah. have like the rookie symposium where they tell them how to take care of their money no. and stuff like that. It's-
2: In fact, I am a a board member of the Gene Upshaw Player Assistant Trust, Mm -hmm. which is a uh, a committee out of Washington, D.C., with the NFL Retired Players Association, the NFLPA. And uh, we give money out to players that are in need, uh, players that can get up to $15,000 at a one-time grant to pay for bills and education and uh, all of these things have come in the last 10 years. And I'm proud to say I've been a part of it. Uh, all these things. When they did their last negotiation in 2011, uh, the NFL gave the Players Association a huge amount of money. And they said, this is the money. You figure out how you're going to spend it. And they, played on, they spent it on uh, retirement benefits for active players, uh, two to one matching for one ks uh the the education portion of being able to go back to college uh they spent on a lot of benefits for the players and then they gave uh some money to retired players as well and uh you know this committee i'm on uh it's half of the fine money for every n f l player that gets fined by the n f l so we can afford to give these grants out to to players that are in need, and then also to give grants for players that have foundations. We give up to $20,000 a year for players that have grants for foundations. We give those grants away to help them uh, work in the community. So, uh, you know, I'm just glad to still be kind of affiliated a little bit with the league in that respect.
1: Awesome, that's fantastic. So, w- real estate—that's what you got into. What did you go to school for in Colorado?
2: Actually, I went to school for communications, radio, okay. and TV. And uh, when I got ready to retire, uh, I interviewed with CBS and NBC. I was doing some weekend work—not uh, weekend, but after the game work with both channels. Summer internship. Uh, uh, but at that time, there were not, not the outlets they have today. It was right. CBS, ABC uh WGN and A and, and uh NBC and uh they were not ESPN sports uh all over the you know locally on radio, uh, sports talk radio, none of that stuff was available back then. And I had an opportunity to work with CBS. They wanted to send me to Rockford or Milwaukee and at the time I said, you know what, I to stay in Chicago, I can I'll do the real estate, I'll be around and, uh, and then that stuff just exploded over the years. And who knows what it could have been, but I, I lived a happy life doing what I did, selling real estate for people, meeting a lot of people in Chicago. And, uh, and I feel happy with that. I retired five years ago, uh, like I said, and um, living, living comfortably in Colorado and Chicago, and always glad to meet the fans. And, and verse about the Chicago Bears.
1: Absolutely. Now, part of your post-football life was watching your your son Aaron uh, Moorhead grow up. Who uh, who went to Deerfield? How did that happen?
2: Well, I was living in Deerfield when I played for the Bears. Okay. So he grew up in Deerfield, and uh, my wife did I want to go to Evanston, so we moved to Deerfield, which was you know close to Lake Forest, close to Evanston, Chicago. Sure. And. Uh, he ended up playing at the University of Illinois, another great story. Uh, he played for a five-and-four team at Deerfield. All they did was run the ball. He was a receiver. He walked on to Illinois and got a preferred walk on to my former teammate, Leslie Frazier, yeah. who was a defensive back coach down there. So he got out there. He earned a scholarship, ended up starting for two years, got benched the senior year, and uh, didn't get drafted, didn't get invited to the uh, Combine. And uh, he walked on uh, uh, at the Indianapolis Colts, as a free agent, and made the team and played five years there, won a Super Bowl, and now he's coaching. He's at Vanderbilt, coaching wide receivers. He's been coaching for nine or ten years in college football. And uh, it just goes to show you, uh, you know, if you believe in yourself, you know, he walked on to Illinois. He's a free agent with the Colts. He won a Super Bowl. So, Anything can happen if you believe and work at it. You got to just believe in yourself and work at what you want to do to get better and do more than everybody else is doing, and be successful. And he's a perfect example of that.
1: Now, did uh, did Aaron, by any chance, did he play varsity his sophomore year? In in uh, at, at Deerfield at Deerfield.
2: No, they, he was sophomore team. Freshman, okay. sophomore, and and. Uh, they uh, you don't. Know, they didn't bring people up as
1: much as they do today. No, the reason I ask is that when I was uh, looking up Aaron's uh, career, I saw that he was born in in 1980, which means he's only two years younger than me. So if he had played yeah. varsity his sophomore year, he and I would have played against each other my yeah. senior year at Evanston. So yeah. Yeah. I was just and wondering. He
2: started. He started uh, school a year early. He was a young, oh, was okay. a young kid, I guess. Uh, he was a young guinea guy. He was I the see. youngest in his class in the field. Yeah, he was a 17-year-old bachelor, I think.
1: So was, it, uh, so was it a bittersweet thing when your son makes it to the Super Bowl, which is every football player's dream, but he does it against your team and the Bears?
2: Well, you know what? I told him and everybody asked me. I'm like, you know what? I know how hard it is to get there. And when you get there, you got to win. So I'm pulling for my son. Right. <laughs> you know, as opposed to the fans, I, said, I pull for the fans every game. But there's one game I'm pulling for my son. And uh, Because I know that once you get there, it's not easy just to get there, let alone win. And uh, you better win it when you get there because there's no – our team's the perfect example. There's no – guaranteed you're going to get back again
1: yeah i mean that but that that conference championship sunday had to be quite a roller coaster for you the bears and the saints kicking things off and the bears win so oh great my old squad makes it and now i'm watching my son and the first half of that that afc championship game the the colts are down 21 to 3 at halftime they had that interception that went back for a touchdown they're kind of like man the patriots is going to walk away with this thing then the second half happens and Peyton's doing his thing, and the the the, uh, the Colts end up making it, and it was it was a crazy Sunday. I,
2: was, I know, but I was just getting ready to say, but I watched a lot of the Colts game, and I got a guy by the name of Peyton Manning, <laughs> and you're never out of it. You're never out nope, of it when you got Peyton all. Manning. That guy is unbelievable. And uh, I mean, to me, uh, watching it with my son playing, I never I never seen anything like it. I mean, they're never out of anything. I never out anything because he is a student of the game. He studies it all. He knows what he's doing, and don't leave any time on the clock, or you know, it's not happen. And uh, sure enough, uh, they were able to beat the, but you know, they were able to beat the uh, the, the beat New England Patriots. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's just tough to beat them. It's tough to beat them today. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they are so good. And, uh, you know, Brady and Belichick, they figured things out. And uh, the Colts, it was their year. And i tell you what happened. They had a safety by the name of Bob Slander. Yeah. And he had missed about probably 10 games. And he came back for the playoffs. And all of a sudden, that defense with Dwight Freeney and uh, all them guys, all of a sudden, it was a different team. Mm-hmm. Because every game was a... 44 to 40 game or 35 to 30 game, And then when, that, when Bob Sanders showed up right around when the playoffs started, all of a sudden that defense was a total defense, different defense. And, uh, he was only five, yeah. nine, like 190 pounds. And he was hurt a lot because he was small, but when he was in there. He was a game changer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And my, uh, my buddy of mine, uh, he was, um, uh... He's from from I uh, from the Illinois Quad City area where where I'm uh, where I've been living, and he was a big Iowa fan, and a, he was a, a lifelong uh, Colts fan. So he followed Bob Sanders all yeah. through his uh, through his career. I mean, in 07, the year after the Super Bowl, Bob Sanders was the NFL defensive player of the year. So even all five nine, 190 pounds of him was the best player in on the defense side of the football yeah. for one season. Yeah. He was a
2: game changer. I'm telling you, he came back at the right time, and all of a sudden that defense, you know, they weren't giving up 30 points a game. They were playing tough. And uh, and when you got a quarterback like uh, Peyton Manning and uh, Marvin Harrison catching 130 passes a game, and yeah. Reggie Wayne was just starting to play a lot, and then they had a tight end, 44 from Iowa.
1: Yeah, Dallas uh, Clark.
2: Dallas oh, Clark, man, that guy was good, too, man. That <laughs> dude was good, too. And they had uh, a rookie, uh, 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 what was he from LSU, uh, 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 Joseph player, Dye, so yeah. a doc, Joseph Adai, yeah. Joseph Adai, and they gave up uh, probably the Hall of Famer. Uh, Adrian James. Uh, running Adrian James. I mean, they were loaded. They were loaded deep, man. And, you know, like I said, when you get there, you gotta win because you never know when you're gonna get back. and that team was as good as any and uh, they never got back that that particular team.
1: yeah so um what do you think of uh, of the bears as as they are? now. I mean, did you see 12 and 4 coming out of the team that was, you know... Uh, from-
2: no, anybody that said they saw 12 and 4 is <laughs> lying. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough to be 12 and 4 next year yeah. because they're going to have a tougher schedule and they lost the key, their defensive coordinator, who's out here in Denver right now as the head coach. Yeah, And uh, that guy knew what he was doing and he made that defense. People out here in Denver always ask me, what... Uh, who, who 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 is? I, don't know. I was like, look. I said he took over the Bears defense. They were like 28th in the league. Mm. The next year they were 18th. The yeah. first year, and the second year they were top 10. And last year they were like one of the top two or three defenses in the entire league. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna miss that guy. I mean, they're gonna miss him. There's no doubt. It's gonna be a different team next year with the tougher schedule. Uh that's why I was hoping this year they were gonna go some places because it's no guarantee for next year. Uh it just isn't. And uh you know, there are a lot of things and they were healthy. usually the healthiest team gets to the playoffs and wins it. Because when you have to play with three or four guys you weren't counting on coming out of training camp to be starting, sure you might get a surprise out of one or two, but once you start getting more and more into the depth of your team, you better you better have a good depth because most teams don't go through the year uh playing with the same lineup they started with health wise. Yeah. So uh when you get a chance and you get there like the Bears did last year, they they should have went further. I'm kinda of disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. And there's no guarantee that next year they're gonna do the same as they did this year. I wish they will, but you know, I watch a lot of football in my life and it's just no guarantee.
1: Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. But speaking of, of, of injuries and and you know having to count on guys you weren't counting on in the beginning of the season, when when you go back and you talk to or you, you know in my case reading interviews or watching videos of the the '85 Bears talk about why wasn't this team was was built to be a, a dynasty with the talented we had what four or five Hall of Famers on the team when when we asked yeah. them why didn't it happen one of the big reasons was. Because McMahon unfortunately couldn't stay healthy.
2: Because it couldn't stay
1: healthy. Yeah. Two
2: years. I mean, uh, you know, we were bringing in people every week to play quarterback, and at the end, we had a forty-year-old Greg Landry, Landry from Detroit, who had been retired and came back, and uh, we were just trying to get, you know, trying to get. Uh, we had Doug Flutie. We had, uh, you know, and what happened? McMahon got hurt, and then our backup Steve Fuller got hurt. And so, you know, we were, it just we were, we were hurting at the quarterback position, you know, and that 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 uh, that meant a lot. And uh, you know, it's just hard to repeat without that consistency. Yeah. And he was the leader of the offense. I mean, by no means, I mean Walton was a great player and a, and a leader, but I tell you what, it was McMahon that carried that team, you know. Uh, emotionally, through the, the every year, he was the heart and soul of that team. Walter was a great player and a great halfback and a great, you know, he, he was he, he was Walter, but McMahon was the one that kind of catalyzed that that whole offense. And when he wasn't there, you know, his leadership was missed.
1: Absolutely, and in um, one thing that I've heard over and over, I, I there was a story that Dick had told on the um, the 85 bear, uh, America's game when they recapped the season about what a big prankster Walter Payton was. Did he ever pull anything yeah, well, on you?
2: No, no. I was already in my fifth year by the time I got to the Bears, So I was fully aware of his antics. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he might pinch pinched me on the ass a couple of times and slapped me. I'm telling you, it was the hardest pinch and slap you ever felt. But, uh, you know, the pranks were, were for the young guys. And, uh, you know, those were that was his thing, throwing their ladies in the rookie locker room right where they can ready to come out two a day, second session, hundred degrees, nobody wants to be out there yeah lost with throw their lady into the locker room. Bam, everybody all over the place. You know, and he just was you know, that was just a way to loosen people up, man. You know, the tough summers and summers are tough, not like they are today.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh we would do eight weeks of two a days. And it was hard, you know. He was hitting every practice, not like, you know, today. And uh, I was the NFL back then.
1: Let me ask you real quick about that. Was you know, as a Bear fan, you know, following the team as closely as I do because of the the podcast and everything. One of the great things about this season, and you even mentioned it a minute ago was how healthy we were when the three years previous under John Fox and even before under Trestman, we basically led the league in injured reserve. And a friend of mine and I kind of had a theory about why that possibly was, aside from just pure dumb luck and it not working out for the Bears, was because with that new collective bargaining agreement back in 2011, they pretty much eliminated contact yeah. in practice. So right. we were thinking, like, are these guys getting hurt because they're not practicing – football in football practice, you know, like going through the motions and doing, you know, hand-touching stuff.
2: I'm 100% behind that theory. I'm 100% Mm -hmm. behind it. Because, you know, you can only hit uh, 14, 16 days in 18 weeks, Larry.
3: Yeah. One day,
2: less than one day a week during the season. And then training camp is no more two-a-days. So when you get to the game and everything is full speed, these guys are huge and fast and strong, uh, you're going to get hurt. Your body has to build up a tolerance to the contact, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, when you're hitting every day, your body's used to the shock, it's used to the physicality of the game. And when yeah. you go in there on Sunday and you run out there and all of a sudden, you know, everything's 100%, and uh, your body's not 100% used to that, uh, it, it's, 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 it's not going to work. And I think you see it by the injuries today. Uh, you know, it just happens all the time. And I'm 100% behind the that people need to have a little bit more contact during the week to get is this Sunday, and especially in training camp.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I just, um, you know, because I used to, to get into arguments with people who would, who would like to just put it all on the whole, they don't make them like they used to thing and it's like they don't they don't treat them like they used to they're 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 you know i hate to use the word pamper but compared to what you know two days in practice eight weeks in a row yeah, compared yeah. to what they do now like these guys aren't as ready as those players used to be
2: no your body physically can't cannot be ready uh the way, the way it used to be and when i was a first year player back in 77 it was 6 preseason games right. 14 regular season games And so we had nine weeks of two-a-days, man, over two months worth of two-a-days every day. And now it's like three weeks, and you can't hit only once a day. You can't have pads every day. It's like a walk in the park. And, uh, you know, but it's different circumstances. Uh, Everything's so different today. The salaries are different. The uh, whole uh, salary cap structure is different. Mm-hmm. You know, you pay ten guys fifty percent of your cap, and then the other players got to work in fifty percent. You know, so you have ten guys making a lot of money, and you got thirty-five guys, you know, fighting for the rest of the cap. So it's totally different. You don't have to hit. You get out there, and you can float through the secondary and catch passes. Nobody can touch you. Right. It's uh, totally different than it was years ago, but it's much safer. And I'm happy for the players that are playing today. Uh, not only just to be a safer game and getting paid, uh, but it's a totally different game, and, and it's what we went on strike for in 1987. Right. So they can have this type of, type, of, type of
1: life. So with the 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 hot button thing with with CTE and all that kind of stuff, I, I often wonder um, if he hadn't passed away uh, tragically back in '99, would you know, how sweetness would be today because of the, I mean, he was a running back that initiated contact with his defenders and he had like reckless abandon when it came to, to, to getting that extra yard or getting the first down. He didn't believe in running out of bounds. He was just going to lower his head and run forward. You know, you know, I, I often wondered what kind of shape he would be in today, almost 20 years since he passed away, you know, compared to what he was when he passed away from cancer.
2: Yeah, you don't even want to think about it because that was you know, head injuries is so prevalent with the guys in our area yeah. era. And like you were saying, he led with his head. He never died easy. He went out of bounds with contact every play. And uh to, to look at that today, nobody is able to do that and they know better than to do that. Mm-hmm. But that was just the way we played back then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, what are you are you doing anything with in in retirement? You just uh, putting your feet up and enjoying the enjoying your years, playing. or are you busy? I, I'm
2: I'm just trying to stay alive every day, eating healthy, <laughs> going out, walking, and, and snowshoeing in the, in the winter over the golf course that I live by, and just trying to keep exercise and uh, and uh, stay alive, eating right, and trying to live a long life.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much, uh, Emery, for for being on the show. I really appreciate. It. This is a big Big honor for me to have one of the to have one of the Bears, let alone someone that I used to that I shared the same hallways with back in elementary school, yeah, and even in sir. high school, played <laughs> yeah. on the same field and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, well,
2: it's my pleasure, Larry. Yes, Any time you want to call, you give me a call. Uh, it's been
1: a pleasure. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Emory Moorhead, Super Bowl champion, yeah. former Chicago Bear. Thank you so much. <laughs> Remember, guys, uh, promo code BEARS25 to get up to $1,000 in free play at MyBookie and a promo code ARMCHAIR to get 5% off your ticket purchase at com. How great was that? How awesome was it? Former 85 Bear, uh, uh, Emory Emery Moorhead, Super Bowl champion, man. That guy shared the field with Walter Payton, the greatest of all time, and played on, on easily uh, one of the greatest football teams to ever uh set foot uh onto a field and you know we talked a bit about that and uh you know it, it, the the reason that i decided to to to, to ask Emery to be on the show was because of the shared roots that we have you know we talked about it briefly uh there at the beginning and again towards the end um we, we, went, we went to the same high school, and it turns out I didn't know that until I was talking to him. if you guys heard me when I asked him, did you go to Dewey? And he said yes, and I was like, oh, because I went to Dewey Elementary School as well. And so we started at the same place, went to the same high school, played on the same field uh, in high school. Both played for legendary coaches as far as the Evanston Township High School uh, history uh, is concerned. Mernie Lazier, obviously, he's like the Popper Bear Hallis Uh, of evanston football and uh you know i played for john real who would be more like the uh well he didn't get a championship but he'd probably be close to the ditka of the of the evanston uh township uh football legacy but um it's um so i decided that's you know he's the one i have to go after and i think it's because that we are alumni that's how we became facebook friends because that's how i got in touch uh, with him i'm facebook friends with Emery moorhead so i actually just instant messaged him and took a shot and there it was you just you heard the conversation between myself and a former bear coached by ditka played with sweetness watched the 85 defense up close and personal um you know make history as uh, as one of the best to, to, to ever uh take the field and and in my estimation was uh the single best team uh of all time so had a a great time talking to him and i'll tell you real quick about the saga that was the night that i was going to interview him uh i came home early from work and everything because this laptop as you guys know i've been having issues with it i'm thinking about starting a gofundme to see if i can get you guys to help me out to get a new one because i have to get that taken care of sooner rather than later if that's something you guys might be interested in, in in helping me out with that hit me up either on the facebook page or uh, on twitter at btu underscore larry uh if if you guys would be interested in in that uh, then let me know otherwise i'm just gonna nose to the grindstone and save the money and, and get my own get one myself but if you guys want to help i want to let you <laughs> so uh anyway uh i came home early from work to get ready uh for the interview And I got everything prepped up. I got all my questions typed out. And, uh, you know, so i have them there in front of me for reference and everything. And uh, uh, decided that, okay, one thing that I like to do before I do interviews, whether it be during the season or or whatever, is reboot the computer. Fresh internet connection because, you know, we've had issues with that and all the rest of that stuff. And when I did it, for some reason... One of the issues that I completely forgot, actually, because I obviously haven't been using my laptop much since the season ended, I completely forgot the new thing that the laptop has started doing is that once you, when you do a reboot, when you start it up, you'll see that it's powered up, but I'll be staring at a blank black screen for an indeterminate amount of time. It could be as little as 60 seconds. could be as long as a couple of hours. It's happened to me uh, before. That night was the night that it decided to do it for over an hour and twenty minutes, and I I got home early. I was supposed to talk to Emery at six thirty, decided to reboot the computer at five thirty, and <laughs> here I am, six o'clock nothing, six fifteen nothing, six twenty nothing. So I get on my phone and I message Emery to let him know what's going on. Uh, something's going on with my laptop. Uh, I'm trying to figure things out. He was very gracious. You know, said that I'm available if you you know if you get it figured out. Uh, even, you know, talk to him about maybe doing it later on in the week if I couldn't get it figured out tonight or if it took too long. Thankfully, after several YouTube video searches, I was able to get it uh, straightened out and get the, the laptop powered up uh, completely. and And there we were and ready to go. But it was just <laughs> freaking out the entire time, thinking every second that I was, you know, delaying this was another second that it was getting late and Emery wouldn't want to do it, or maybe next time, and then maybe next time doesn't work out, and so on and so forth. I was very much treating this like it's a now or never uh, situation, but thankfully, it all worked out, and you guys heard uh, the fruits of my labor getting uh, Emery uh, on the phone and having that awesome uh, conversation uh, with him. So real quick, before we go, I do have some news and notes because some things have happened uh, since we uh, went away. Uh, We had three more guys named to the Pro Bowl roster. Mitch Trubisky, Charles Leno Jr., and Cody Whitehair all named to the Pro Bowl roster after the Super Bowl uh, people uh, bowed out uh, from from here and there. Um, Couldn't really tell you much about the Pro Bowl game itself. I tuned in to watch. I got through about half of the first quarter and noticed that they were playing glorified two-hand touch. Everybody was playing at half speed, and I became nauseous and turned it off. I couldn't even wait for Mitch to, because that he's actually the one player I wanted to see play more than anybody. You know, I, I was I was up for checking out the game because we had, uh, not including Khalil Mack, seven guys on the team. Uh, you know, Kyle Fuller, um, uh, Tariq Cohen, uh, Eddie Jackson... Hakeem Hicks. How could I forget him? And then the three guys on offense. So eight bears total made the Pro Bowl. Khalil Mack bowed out because of an injury uh, after the Eagles game. So we had seven guys playing in the game, most in the NFL or tied for most, I think. And um, so I was interested in seeing our guys play. But it's like, like I said, I got through maybe half of the first quarter. And I was like this. I'm not watching this. I'm not watching this. This is not going to sit here. It's like, why don't they just make it a flag football game? Just make it a flag football game, or you know something like that. It's ridiculous if they're going to do it the way that they did it. Who cares? You know the problem is, it was, <laughs> it was heavily watched. The ratings for it were outstanding. So of course they're just going to keep doing it like that, regardless of the garbage product they're putting on the, uh, uh, on the field. But three more of our guys made it to making eight Pro Bowlers total for 2018 uh, for our beloved Chicago Bears. Uh, in other news, uh, we had a couple of former Bears retire. In the last couple of weeks, uh, Matt Slauson, who was an awesome uh, guard for us, uh, you know, for I think what, three, four years, maybe announced his retirement after 10 seasons. He played, uh, I think, for the Chargers and then he retired after this season uh, with the Colts. He actually bowed out early this season. He had a neck injury um, that he found out that if he kept playing on it, there was a danger. He could have paralyzed himself pretty much from like the neck down. So it was almost a miracle that he got hurt when he did because that neck injury was lingering and could have been fatal uh, for him. But uh, after 10 seasons, Matt Slauson uh, calling it a career. And Julius Peppers announced his retirement after 17 NFL seasons. He played the last, uh, I think, two or three. Uh, he went back home to Carolina. He played his first eight or nine years in Carolina before playing four seasons uh, with the Bears uh, it's from 2010 to 2013. I believe, were the correct, yeah, 20, 20, 2010 to 2013, um, he was awesome, especially in 2010, that year that we signed him, he was amazing, uh, just an, an outstanding football player, and for someone who was who kind of had bitter things to say about the team after his departure, and, and rightfully so, he was a salary cap casualty, uh, you know, he wasn't really lighting up the world, but, you know, the, the roster around him was diminishing, so, you know, he was... Anyway, he went to Green Bay, played three good years for them, and then another couple years for Carolina before calling it a career. But uh, had very gracious things to say about Chicago, its fans, uh, and the city um, You know, embracing him uh, when, we, when we signed him uh, and all that kind of stuff. So in the end, Julius Peppers looks back fondly on his time with the Bears, even though when he signed with Green Bay, that was not the case. He did not have lovely things to say about the Bears when he left to, to go to uh, uh, Green Bay. In, in other non-Bear news, but Bear-related because of some headlines that our head coach and general manager made at their final press conference of the year, Kareem Hunt, the search is over. The mystery is over as to where Kareem Hunt will play his next snap of football, and that will be with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, if you look at it, it's not a big surprise that it happened that way. General Manager John Dorsey of the Browns was the dr- general manager in Kansas City that drafted uh, Kareem Hunt so not a really that big of a surprise that the guy that drafted him would take a chance on bringing him in um, still no word on his discipline how many games he's going to be suspended uh, or, or anything like that at the very least Cleveland has control because uh, he still has to put in like another two seasons worth of uh, service in order to be an unrestricted free agent so even after the one-year deal expires this season they still have restricted free agents so they basically have a right of first refusal uh on on kareem hunt so no more will they or won't they should they or shouldn't they as far as the bears are concerned kareem hunt is someone else's problem now uh in other in in bears related news other bear related news uh coach Nagy winning the nfl coach of the year at the nfl honor ceremony the night before the super bowl made an amazing speech about three and a half minutes long you can find it Uh, online he's very gracious talking about the fans the team the whole we not me uh, philosophy that he lives by just an outstanding speech also Vic Fangio won for assistant coach of the year and when they showed the voting for those two categories it wasn't even close it was in second place for uh, coach of the year was Anthony Lynn, and I think it was like twenty-four for Nagy, ten for Anthony Lynn, not even close. And I think it was the the margin was even wider for Fangio. I forget who number two was, to Fangio, but it was like you know twenty-nine to five or something. It was something ridiculous that uh, you know the 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 wide uh, the 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 victory gap for for Fangio winning uh, assistant coach of the year. And of course, he has gone to Denver. Unfortunately, we talked about that uh, on our last show. And today, Vic Fangio and the Broncos made big news when they made a trade for Joe Flacco, the quarterback of the Ravens, who basically was ousted by Lamar Jackson, taking the job from him, Uh, said um, terms won't be announced until the new league year starts on March 13th, but it is rumored that it was a quote-unquote mid-round pick, so third, fourth, fifth, you know, something like that, probably in that ballpark for uh, Flacco, and I think they're probably going to renegotiate his his contract while they are there and uh the alliance of american football debuted last weekend our former bear samurai mike singletary head coach of the memphis express shut out by the birmingham iron in their debut uh overall i watched a part of all four games that were played uh over the weekend number one it is football so that was nice kind of uh you know soften the blow of this being the first non-NFL Sunday in, in six months um, it was decent football it was entertaining enough to keep me focused or keep me engaged I guess watching uh, the game uh, it's clear at this point in the league's development defense is way ahead of the offense and there were a couple of teams that that managed to score uh, some points Uh, There was really only one game, I think, between Arizona and Salt Lake where they both scored multiple touchdowns. Uh, I think Orlando scored the most points. They had like 40-6 to against, I think, Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You know, it was – it's going to be a while, I think, before we get coordinated shootouts like we have uh, in the NFL. It's mostly the defense is ahead of the offense. Those guys were teeing off on each other. The offensive line play was not very good. Uh, especially when it became when it came to pass protection and 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 protecting their quarterbacks just about everybody was under fire most of the time when they went back to throw so uh yeah that's uh that's that's probably going to come over time uh, you know as these guys get back into playing and and so on and getting to know each other and their offenses and things like that but right now defense way ahead so early on i think in in the development of this league you're gonna have to be patient waiting for the offense to catch up uh to the defense but uh, it was pretty good. Um, no extra points and no kickoffs. No extra points. I can I can deal with the two point play being mandatory. I think it's fun, but no kickoffs. It, it just feels like it's missing something. You know, it, it feels like it's missing something. They they got rid of the kickoffs as a safety issue and because of the the running and the impact and whatnot. Then why not? I was just why not just line it up as a punt? You know, this wherever you kick it off from, have the guy snap the ball to the punter and have him punt and then. You know, because because right there in a punting formation, the guys are blocking, you know, you have guys blocking on the line of scrimmage and got gunners and runners and stuff like that. The impact and and the hits and things are not there. And it's a kick. And, you know, there's something to kind of get going the momentum of the the game. It's just a very flat start without kickoffs. So I've heard some people saying they didn't miss the kickoffs. Personally, I did. So but that's just my own taste uh, they'll be back on on saturday over a variety and i think they got games on tnt and the nfl network maybe cbs sports network that kind of thing so basically you got if you want to find a game you gotta you gotta keep your eyes on it uh just out of principle i'm supporting the memphis express even though they're the only team in the league that did not score a point uh this weekend because of samurai and also because of me and my 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 uniform snobbery uh i like memphis's helmets more than anybody else uh in the league not really crazy about their road uniforms. We'll see what the, I think they're at home this week so maybe they'll have a a better shot at sucking me in on that one, but uh love their helmets and their helmet logo, but yeah. Not really a big fan of the uniforms league wide at this point. And I know that you guys were dying to know that. So, finally, the the big news uh for regarding our bears and their schedule for the 2019 season, the Bears, no surprise, were in big demand by the various networks for, for you know, big games this year. The Bears playing the NFC East, also a big reason why they're going to be in high demand. Their first place schedule playing the Rams and the Saints this year put them in high demand. And the fact that when the Bears are successful, the NFL is all over it. So uh, you expect to see the Bears all over the place. We already know that they're playing in London. Uh, against the Raiders at some point uh, in the season uh, rumor has it the Bears will be playing the Lions on Thanksgiving again probably on CBS or something like that and right now they're looking at 2019 which is be, going to be the 100th season of NFL football as long as as well as the 100 foot uh, season of Chicago Bears football they're looking for the first time since 2006 that it will not be the defending super bowl champion to host the kickoff game uh for 2019 rumor has it and and smart money is it being bears packers on thursday night september 5th to kick off the 100th season of nfl slash bears football uh in 2019 so that's uh very exciting that the the Bears will be up first against Green Bay. And what a way to kick off the year but to bury our foot in Aaron Rodgers' ass on national television for the whole world to see. I mean, that would just be fantastic to just further, uh, you know, further get into Green Bay and show them who the boss uh, in the NFC North is now. And for the whole world to be able to see it. Because the Bears beating Green Bay week 15 was a regional game. Started at noon. No, no, no. Get him back on national TV and hand uh, Aaron Rodgers his ass on national television to, to right the wrong that was last year's week one loss. So, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's everything I got. So feels good to be back. Uh, I'm working on some ideas on doing some other shows uh, to be back uh, between now and our free agency preview, which is actually less than a month away. And, um, you know, the Bears don't have much salary cap space. I think just over 20-something million, uh, and that's before we make – if we make any salary cap uh, cuts uh, this year. There have been some rumors, ones that I'm I'm not fans of, quite frankly. I read an article saying Kyle Long would be a good salary cap casualty. And while I can't argue with the whole injury history recently – i do not like the idea of playing an entire season without kyle long another one that i saw that i absolutely was like what was danny trevathan uh, no i i want the bears to lock danny trevathan up to keep him around uh for a few more years not cut him as a salary cap casualty screw that so uh yeah but um there's other people that can be trimmed unfortunately somebody like sam Acho might be expendable at this point uh Dion sims he's most likely definitely gone Uh, and I know that you guys are saying Cody Parkey but again it'll cost us more to lose him than it will to keep him so we'll see what happens there there's still a lot of speculation and the Bears have signed uh, a new kicker and that person's name is escaping me at the moment but uh, at the very least competition has been brought in for Cody Parkey to try to earn and keep his job uh, in training camp and it could be the best thing for him he's either going to you know, kick his way onto the team and and win his job back, or you know the Bears are cut him in training camp and probably won't cost him as much to let him go, and we'll see what happens there. But um, you know, the next guaranteed show will be probably a week before uh, free agency. It's Tuesday, September thirteenth, I believe. September March, what the hell am I think September? I'm thinking about the kickoff game, uh, March thirteenth, whenever that is. Uh, that is when the uh, that is when the NFL. Uh, new the new schedule for the 20 the 2019 league year starts march 13th that's when free agency starts so about a week or so before that is when i'll be back to preview uh free agency what moves the bears could make what names are out there who the bears might be losing and saying goodbye to so on and so forth we'll get a bit more in depth with that but in the meantime thinking about a couple of ideas on some shows some things that i can uh talk about between here and there so uh yeah because um, the thing about it is, is like I've been kind of sulking watching the Super Bowl, and it was really irritating watching the Super Bowl number one because there were you know sixteen points scored total in the Super Bowl, and I basically watched the Patriots use the Bears Rams the, the Bears defensive scheme to shut the Rams down the exact same way that the Bears did. They shut down Todd Gurley. They eliminated the run game. They put it all on Jared Goff and watched him sh- crap his pants uh, for 60 minutes. And um, that's pretty much what the Bears did. And they even showed a clip of uh, Sean McVay on the sideline. He was miked during the game saying, uh, like, recognizing early on. It's like, yep, that was the that was the Bears defense that they were playing. That's the Bears defense they're using. So, of course. You know, I what was funny was I read an article before the Super Bowl saying that the Rams learned a lot about losing to the Bears. Like, apparently not, because the Patriots stole the Bears' template and used that to perfection to use uh, one of the best defensive performances in a Super Bowl to shut down uh, the Rams. So, you know, disappointing game. Very, 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 you know, bitter, not even bittersweet, very bitter playoff, uh, you know, s- playoffs Playoffs period, just playoff season, I guess I could call it, postseason season. Um, you know, watching the watching the Rams beat the Cowboys by rushing for two hundred something yards in the game. No way in hell did they, they do that against the uh, Bears. And then the Saints were nothing special in their two victories. The the one over the I mean the Eagles almost beat them. You know they were driving to to beat the Eagles uh, before uh, Alshon crapped the bed there and let the ball slip through his hands. Surprise, surprise, routine catch right through his fingers. You know he should have thrown it to where Mar- you know Alshon could not get to it, so he could dive and catch it with one finger, and then it would have been an awesome catch for Alshon and a first down for the Eagles. But uh, instead, routine catch slips right through his fingers—an interception and ball game for the uh, for the Saints. And then the NFC Championship game, and the, you know the the hit that that wasn't called, and uh, you know the just the Bears. I think would have run right through the Saints I know they would have run through the Rams they and then you know who knows honestly could they have beaten Brady and, and Belichick in the Super Bowl <sighs> man those guys are tough uh in the Super Bowl but uh you know I would have loved to have seen it I would have loved to have seen it man that would have been something to watch Mitch Trubisky do his best to, to outgun Tom Brady uh in the Super Bowl that really would have been something to watch so hopefully it is something that we get to see in the future a year from now talking about a super bowl victory uh and, and whatnot but uh we'll just have to wait and see six stinking months until the season starts again uh, not looking forward to it it gets uh, long and arduous but i'll be here for you if you're here uh for me we'll get through this thing uh together so that is going to do it I will be back. Keep your eyes open on the social media, on the Facebook page. Just search Bears Talk Underground or find me at uh, BTU underscore Larry or at uh, Armchair Bears on on Twitter uh, as well. So uh, that's going to do it for me. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. indeed.com slash match terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage